0: On Sunday mornings, we are looking at encounters with the Lord Jesus Christ in John's Gospel. And it's amazing, isn't it, the different kinds of people that came to believe in the Saviour. We have come across a prophet, John the Baptist, a fisherman, Simon Peter, a religious leader, Nicodemus the last encounter and now we're going to come across a woman not just a woman but a Samaritan woman and one who was an outcast and I think God is saying something in the variety of these people it doesn't matter who we are Jesus Christ is the savior of the world It doesn't matter what our temperament, what our status, what our nationality, it doesn't matter what label you may have, Jesus Christ is for you, he is for me, and even the way that these chapters have been ordered is of God, so it's no accident that immediately after Jesus Christ has had his interview with Nicodemus, one of the highest people in terms of status in Jewish society. We have in chapter four, Jesus going right down to the gutter and having a conversation with this woman. And we're going to be at the well of Samaria for a good few weeks. And maybe the weather is getting hot as well. It's not a bad place uh, to be. And may the Lord refresh us with the water of life. And I just want to, before I go into my point, mention some contrasts between Nicodemus and this woman of Samaria. Obviously, Nicodemus, a man. This is a woman. Nicodemus, a Jew. She's not a Jew. She's a Samaritan. Nicodemus, a politician. She's got no status. Nicodemus, a scholar. She's uneducated. Nicodemus very moral. She's immoral. Nicodemus has a name. We don't know her name. Do you? We're not told. Nicodemus came by night to protect his reputation. This woman didn't have a reputation. So she came in the middle of the day. She also came in the middle of the day for another reason, which we'll see in a minute. Yet all these people... Have need of Jesus Christ. You have need of him. I have need of him. Nicodemus is saved to show that no one can rise so high that they're above salvation. This woman is saved to prove that no one can reach so low that they're beyond salvation. A little later on we have don't we one of the great parables of jesus the parable of the good samaritan the woman at the well isn't a good samaritan she's a bad samaritan so let's look i don't think we'll be able to finish this uh, today but let's look at how jesus christ encounters this woman the journey of not just jesus christ from jerusalem to the well at Sichar, but the journey of the savior into the hearts of this woman. Has Jesus Christ come into your heart? That's what we want. In going through the gospel. Oh come to my heart. Oh thou wonderful love. Even if you're a believer. Don't you want Jesus Christ to come again. Into your heart. Lifting you above. All the things. Uh, that are of the flesh. The first point I've got. Is. Is. Jesus' concern for this one woman. Jesus' concern. He didn't have to go through Samaria, did he? Uh, Let me just give you a very brief geography lesson. Jerusalem is in the south of Israel. Jesus is going north to Galilee. Now, when Jews would travel from Jerusalem to Galilee they would avoid the direct routes which would go through Samaria uh, because there were no dealings between Jews and Samaritans. We'll see why later. So every Jew would cross over to the east side of the Jordan and travel up that side and then cross back over the Jordan once they have navigated past Samaria. So Jesus didn't have to go through Samaria, did he? But what are we told here? Verse 4, I think. But he needs to go through Samaria. In the authorised version, he must go through Samaria. There is this concern in the heart of the Saviour for this one lost sheep. Here is the good shepherd, my friends, going after one lost sheep. Because such is his love. He's a good shepherd indeed, is he not? And we are told that as Jesus comes uh, to a place called Sichar, where Jacob's well was, that he's tired. He's weary. Uh, Weary means much more than physical tiredness. He's also thirsty. He's so weary, he has to send his disciples to go into the town to get provisions. Isn't that interesting? I think Jesus Christ was so whacked that he couldn't even faced that short journey into the town. It is Spurgeon which brings out the fact that Jesus was weary in body as well as in mind. Jesus was weary from the journey. It had been downhill, I know, from Jerusalem uh, to uh, where the well was. But he was tired in the heat of the day. But more than that, he was weary in his mind. Uh, Spurgeon mentions the ministry of the word is wearying. Uh, I don't know how many of you here have ever preached a sermon. Jesus Christ came into the world to save, yes, but his three years of ministry was a ministry of the word, and that was wearying. I used to be a school teacher, and I had to prepare lessons, and you have to deliver the lessons. And school classes are not what churches are, I know. But it was not wearisome in the way that preaching is. Uh, Nathan was telling me after last Sunday, after preaching twice, he was completely done in. That's a good sign because it's weary to have to seek a message from God. You know, preaching isn't giving a lecture. It's not just like preparing a lesson. It's seeking God in prayer for messages. Even when we're going through a gospel like this, we still need messages. And if God doesn't give us a message, then we've got no food to give to the people. It's it's not a small thing to seek for messages. And then to deliver the sermon, it's not like giving a lecture it's to preach Christ before the people. So wherever we are in the word, it's not just explaining the text, but to bring Jesus Christ before you. And there's an element, isn't there, as I'm doing now, of bearing one's soul because I'm preaching in the words of Baxter as a dying man, two dying men. And that's why I'm preaching as near to preach again because we don't know when our last day will be. So... Jesus Christ was weary in his mind as well as in his body from ministering the word. It's not easy having the care of souls. Ask any one of the elders. It's no small fry, the burden of the work of the Lord. So we can understand Jesus Christ being utterly whacked. So far in John. Jesus' divinity has shone, hasn't it? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Wow, Jesus Christ is God. He's very God. 100% divine he's the son of god the blessed second person of the trinity who was with the father from eternity who created all things and all things are upheld by the word of his power and that shines in john's gospel but listen we're seeing a bit here of the humanity of jesus christ and he wasn't a freak he was a real human being Bar sin. that's the only thing he didn't have but he was not just very god of very god he's very man a very man as cooper says a man there is a real man why is that why is that well jesus christ had come into this world as our substitutes and he's representing us adam in paradise fell that's why sin came into the world that's why weariness has come upon us but jesus christ has come as the second even the last adam because he's going to succeed and so part of that is he's got to take upon himself the curse of our sin yes and he's going to do that on the cross but he's also got to suffer the sweat and the thorns and the weariness of being a human being aren't you glad are you weary this morning? I can see you're all awake. I'm glad about that. <laughs> but living in this veil of tears and carrying burdens. we've all got burdens here. It's wearying, isn't it? Here's somebody who understands. He's not far away. He's not like some stained glass saviour. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to thirst. He knows what it's like to know the sorrows of the mind. He knows what it's like to be ill. He knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He was tempted in all points as we are. And that means all points. Whatever you are tempted with, he was But he never fell. How did we sing that third hymn? What a wonderful hymn. It was a lonely path he trod. Is there somebody lonely here this morning? He knows what it's like to be lonely. It was a lonely path he trod from every human soul apart, known only to himself and God, was all the grief that filled his heart. Yet from the track, he turned not back till where I lay, till where the Samaritan woman lay. In want and shame, he found me. Blessed be his name. A real saviour, a real man. And listen, he wasn't too weary to talk to this Samaritan woman. Jesus Christ wasn't too weary to save her. By the time that he has witnessed to her and by the time she had come to believe in him, he has been refreshed, hasn't he? When his disciples come back, they don't understand what has happened, they say. You look as if you've eaten. Ah, Jesus says, I've got food to eat, which you don't know about. The salvation of this one insignificant person was enough to refresh the heart and mind and soul of the Son of God. Do you realize that if you're going to be saved this morning, you're going to refresh the heart of Jesus Christ? We don't often give that impression, do we, when somebody says they've been saved. What's the standard Reformed evangelical response? Oh, let's see if it's genuine. There's not much rejoicing there. I can can understand why people say that. But this woman's response to him. Gladdened his hearts. And that's why he said in another parable, there is joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. He's not too tired to save you, my friend. He's not too tired to speak to each one of us this morning. He was willing to go through Samaria, Because his love was such that he was going after the one lost sheep. Now, when you think about it, Jesus Christ didn't have to go through Samaria, did he? In one sense, Jesus Christ didn't have to witness to these different people. They could have been saved in other ways, through other means. Jesus Christ could have gone straight to jerusalem and gone to the cross couldn't he he could have died on that cross for our sins but what is emphasized here he did die for our sins right i don't want you to think i'm saying something heretical but what i'm trying to emphasize is this it's not a general savior it's not a general salvation jesus christ yes died for our sins on the cross but there's something more personal about it isn't there he had to go through samaria because his heart was set on this one person he must go through samaria he must save this one person not in a general sense by dying in a general sense for her sins in general no he must go to her individually and when he died on that cross, I'm sure he remembered her sins. As he remembered your sins and my sins. I can't get around that. But it's not a general salvation. It's a personal. When I was a schoolteacher, we all had numbers as members of staff. I was number 59. And one head teacher we had, he didn't know all the staff by name, but he knew their numbers. We're not numbers in the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ wasn't going after this woman in order to add to the number. He was concerned for her, and he's concerned for you. Please don't take this the wrong way. But as our previous pastor used to say, I'm not interested in um, numbers. I know we're a good number here this morning. My friends, if Jesus Christ is being preached in a church down the road, and if great numbers are hearing of him there and coming to believe in him there, praise the Lord. And if Jesus Christ is being preached here as well and numbers are hearing of him and coming to believe in him, then praise the Lord. It's not numbers that matter. It's the fact that Jesus Christ is being lifted up and being lifted up. He's drawing individuals to himself. Listen, uh, I've quoted that hymn. I'll carry on quoting. Then dawned at last that day of dread went desolate but undismayed with wearied frame and thorn-crowned head. He's so tired. He has to have another person carry the cross for him on the route, on the Via Dolorosa to Golgotha. But aren't you glad that he got there? Aren't you glad that he now forsaken and betrayed went up for me? Not general. For me at Calvary and dying there in grief and shame, he saved me. Blessed be his name. Can you say that? He saved me. It was my sin that caused him to go to that cross. Yes, he took my sorrows, but he took my sins and made them his very own. So that's my first point. The concern of Jesus Christ. You need not doubt the heart of Jesus towards you to save you this morning and then my second point i think we've got time to look at this jesus christ crossing i'm trying to use the same letter for these points i don't normally get that but jesus crossing every barrier to get to this woman what do i mean by that a woman from samaria came to draw water jesus said to her give me a drink that's quite a normal request isn't it if you're by your well And the Samaritan woman was shocked. How is it that you being a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. So the fact that Jesus was asking this person for a drink was crossing barriers, not just boundaries, but barriers that were insurmountable, but they're not insurmountable to the Son of God whatever barrier you may think is stopping Jesus Christ from coming to you is stopping you from being saved he is more than sufficient to overcome them now let me just go through a few of these barriers there's a cultural religious barrier here isn't there she's a samaritan jesus is a jew this is why jews wouldn't go through samaria since the 8th century bc when the assyrians conquered the northern kingdoms of israel And the Jews were deported and they were replaced with Gentiles. And those Gentiles, they mixed with the remaining Jews in the Northern Kingdoms. And then they mixed religions, a bit like today. It was interesting in the coronation, wasn't it? Even though it was a Christian service, there were still elements from other religions. Well, that's what was happening in Samaria. We call it syncretism. Uh, So the people who lived in Samaria... Uh, they uh, would uh, profess faith in Jehovah, the God of Israel, but they would also follow the God of the Gentiles. And it was a mix. It was all confusing. And as a result, the Jews then that uh, were in the south would have nothing to do with them. And added to that, they built their own temple on Mount Gerizim. It was later destroyed by the time Jesus speaks to this woman. There was no temple on Mount Gerizim. But that's where the Samaritans went to worship, not Jerusalem. And so Samaritans were an outcast in that sense. Do you know what uh, one rabbi taught in Jesus' day? This is true. He that eats the bread of Samaritans is like one that eats the flesh of pigs. So they weren't on good terms. Sometimes the Pharisees would pray this prayer Oh Lord, don't let a Samaritan be resurrected. There was no love lost between them. What is Jesus doing? He's immediately breaking down that barrier. This would have been shocking to the religious leaders of his day, that he's not just uh, eating bread, is he? He's actually asking this Samaritan to draw water from the well. He's asking to use her water pots and he's going to drink from it. Dear me, he's having a conversation with a Samaritan. Listen, my friends, true Christianity always breaks down religious cultural barriers i think this room is proof of it because we're of different nationalities here we're of different views when it comes to cultural things i imagine Uh, maybe not everybody here uh, was keen on the coronation last weekend we are allowed to have different views but what the gospel of jesus christ does is break down those prejudices and barriers that man erects now you may say to me pastor you say religious barriers isn't christianity responsible for a lot of religious discrimination that's not true christianity my friend that's religiosity true christianity and it shows itself in the ministry of Jesus Christ and in the book of acts and in the subsequent history of the church i'm not interested in the popes and in the established church in the sense of buildings and things it's when god moves when jesus christ comes in power and saves people it brings people together in revivals denominations come together When God is at work, iron curtains come tearing down. Isn't it wonderful that this gospel goes across such barriers? And then there's another barrier here. There's the gender barrier. Uh, This was a woman. Jesus is a man. A Jew would not... Be seen a jewish leaders i'm sorry would not be seen conversing with a woman apparently well i we don't agree with that do we but in jesus's day those were the norms so it was shocking for jesus christ not just to speak to a samaritan but to speak to a samaritan woman at that Uh, do do you know what some of the religious leaders would pray In Jesus' day, these are true, right? I'm shocked by them. But these are the kind of prayers you would have. Blessed art thou, O Lord, who has not made me a woman. They 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 would thank God for not making them a Samaritan, but they would also thank God for not making them a woman. How awful. We sometimes give the impression, don't we, that Christianity is backward. But it's not. Jesus Christ was breaking these barriers down in his day and when jesus christ has moved in spiritual power such prejudices have been broken down in this country think of the 19th century think of all the uh, acts of parliaments for the abolition of slavery uh, to uh, give equal rights to women as well as men what was behind all of that my friends it was the religious revivals of the 18th century it was because of the gospel coming in power and people coming to believe in this saviour. it was the power of christ that broke down such barriers we need to regain the narrative again it's christianity that has made this country a better place in terms of equality and then there's another barrier here isn't there there's a moral barrier. Why was this woman coming to a well at midday? Have, have, you, have, have you been, to, how many of you have been to Israel? Yeah, this, this was around summertime. It was after Passover, so it was about this time of year. When I went to Jerusalem around this time of year, Jerusalem is up in the mountains. At midday, it was too hot to be outside. Now, the well of Sichar isn't in the mountains. It's down on the plain of Jordan. When, when we were down in the plain of the Dead Sea, I like to go jogging, even if I'm on holiday, and I had to go jogging at 6 o'clock in the morning. And it was still too hot. It was still too hot. So people would normally have been going to the wells early on, before the sun would come out in strength. Why was this woman going there in the middle of the day? She was an outcast. People didn't want to have anything to do with her. She was an adulteress. We'll come across that later on. She had had five husbands and the person she was with now wasn't even her husband. She she, she was a pariah. What a terrible state to be in. So here is a woman. Here is a Samaritan at that. And here is an outcast amongst an outcast people. And yet Jesus... Breaks those barriers down. Jesus, the Savior, this gospel to tell, joyfully came, came with the helpless and hopeless to dwell, sharing their sorrow and shame, seeking the lost, saving, redeeming at measureless cost. Is there a barrier between you and Jesus Christ this morning? He can come over it, he can come leaping over it, he can break it in a moment do you know why we're all adulterers adulteresses we may have been faithful to our spouses but in the hearts we're guilty of adultery aren't we we're all sinners whether we're respectable or out and out sinners that's why we all need jesus christ that's why in these encounters with jesus we have people across the board You may be like Nicodemus. You may think that you're too good for Jesus. No, you're a sinner. And respectable sins can put you further away from God. But you may feel that you're too bad for Jesus Christ like this woman. No, no one is beyond the reach of the grace of Jesus Christ. His love reaches deeper than the depths of self-despair. What I'm trying to say is this, Jesus Christ is for everyone. No one is excluded if they would but come. And actually, we think we are coming to him, but it's him that's coming after us. Oh, my friends, I want you to be aware. Of your lost estates that 's what happened to me when I was in university. I thought I was some goody two shoes because i 'd been brought up in a chapel because i 'd never done anything that was disrespectful. But when I first heard the gospel, and even though the preacher I heard it from was dressed like an Edwardian, that didn 't matter because I realized I was a sinner and I needed to be saved. One day we will all have to stand before God the judge. What did Dylan Thomas say? It's International Dylan Thomas Day today. So it's worth quoting him. Do not go gentle into the good nights. Rage, rage against the dying of the lights. It's not a good night if we're facing God in judgment. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Do you know why we erect these barriers gender barriers religious barriers moral barriers it's because there's a barrier between us and god that barrier was erected in the garden of eden god threw our parents out of the garden of eden not in a huff but because they were sinners and god is light and in him there is no darkness and two flaming swords blocked the way back to paradise there's a barrier. And what jesus christ came to do why can jesus christ break every barrier down he can break every barrier down because he broke that barrier do you know how he did it he did it by going to the cross let me read Uh, i'm coming to a conclusion let me read what paul wrote to the ephesians for by grace you have been saved and deserving favor through faith and even that is not of yourselves it is the gift of god therefore remember that you once were like the Samaritans, Gentiles in the flesh. And then, at that time, you were without Christ, outside being aliens from the Commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the Covenant of Promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, this is the gospel, but now, not about you and me doing something, but God. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar have been brought near by the blood of jesus christ do you know what the blood is the sacrificial death the innocent dying for the guilty jesus christ going to the cross and becoming an outcast becoming a pariah he was crucified outside the camp outside the city wall because he was being treated as the worst of sinners the wrath of the father was being poured upon him so that we could be forgiven so that the barrier being broken down we could go to paradise regained he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the barrier praise be to god this gospel breaks down barriers do you know what one man said he was the most prejudiced bigoted religious leader of the lot Saul of Tarsus, and he was wonderfully saved. And you know what he said? In Christ, there is neither Jew, nor Samaritan, nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ. There's no difference. There's no difference. Just as I, uh, there's no prejudice. There shouldn't be prejudice in the church, there shouldn't be barriers. May the love of Jesus Christ be poured upon us so that every barrier comes down. There shouldn't be barriers between gospel churches. Can you come to Jesus Christ? What did we sing? Just as I am, thy love unknown has broken every barrier down. Now to be thine, yea, thine alone, O Lamb of God, I come. Let me close with this illustration. Time is going. There's never enough of it. When I first went to India, uh, we had uh, an opportunity to preach the gospel in a Dalit village. you know what the Dalits are in India? They are the lowest of the low. They are the outcasts. And they live, usually, in their own villages. And we were invited, it was a two-hour journey from Agra, uh, not along good roads, to this Dalit village. And I remember it now. We were standing in the... S- square of the village and half the village was there to listen to us and basker was preaching on the thief on the cross in a simple but powerful way and people came to believe in jesus christ and then we were invited to the house the biggest house in the village because he was the chief and he said and he had to represent his people it was like something from the medieval period and he said this village is now going to follow Jesus Christ, as its only Lord. God met with the outcasts. If you feel like an outcast this morning, we're all, we're all outcasts really, aren't we? <laughs> Praise God for a friend, not just a saviour, but a friend. And may you, may this church, may you in where God has placed you, just cause your heart to go out to whoever and to tell them, like this woman was going to do, about this wonderful, wonderful saviour. Let's leave it at that. Uh, we'll continue on the journey next, Lord's Day, God willing. Uh, let's sing now a hymn about the barrier coming down, it's finished, or tis, tis it's finished, tis finished. The Messiah dies, cut off for sins but not... His own accomplished is the sacrifice. Uh, Can we have the last answer up, please? I see the bar to heaven removed and all thy merits, Lord, are mine. Death, hell and sin are now subdued. All grace is now to sinners given. What's your response? And lo, I plead the atoning blood. And in, not my rights, but in Jesus' rights, I claim heaven. Let's sing uh, to his praises. Vielen